study and affections. Can study change what I want? I don't know if you've ever thought about your own personal desires, the things that you want long-term and short-term, the things that you want today, the things that you want right now, things that you want um, in the next hour, right? Sometimes we, we want things. We have a desire for certain things. And we're not even thinking that we have that desire. We're not even considering that we have that desire. It's not something we're, we're focused on. And yet if we were to step back a little bit, we could take a look at what we really want. And maybe we would realize one of two things. Either it's what God wants also, or it's just, just what we want. And so uh, I think we're going to try tonight to think about what we want and whether or not it lines up with what God wants. But maybe not even that. How can what we want, how does what we want change? How can it be changed? We've already learned that we can study the Bible and it will be a joy and a delight to do so. I mean, what we've already looked at over these past number of weeks, we've seen several passages that tell us that that is the case. But how does a person discover that the study of God's word can be a delight? Well, let's think about this for a minute. If you have a hobby that you enjoy, that you delight in, how do you know that you enjoy it? It's a real simple answer. You do it. You do it. That's how you know that you enjoy it. No one can say that they delight in an activity that they never do. I love bungee jumping. I love it. I just absolutely love it. It's great. I delight in bungee jumping. Have you ever been bungee jumping? No. No, not at all. It doesn't even make any sense. You'd, be, you'd say to me, that, that's crazy. That doesn't make any sense. So here's what we know. We know that you can have joy in, that you can take delight in the study of God's word. We have to study God's word. That's how you're going to get the delight and the joy. There are hundreds of reasons why we may delight in something. I think we're going to talk about a number of them tonight, of uh, reasons that we can delight in God's word. But we have to do it to know for ourselves the reasons. I've uh, compiled a few verses to kind of get us started today, to kind of um, 
speak about the desire we ought to have to learn and to obey God's word. Some of them we've mentioned before, we've mentioned in in previous studies. And um, all of them that I'm just going to start with are in Psalm 119. They can give you kind of an example of what I'm talking about. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies, Psalm 119.14 says, as much as in all riches. I've rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. Thy testimonies have I taken as an heritage forever, as an inheritance that's talking about forever. For they are the rejoicing of my heart. Psalm 119, 111. Sounds like somebody wants to study the words that God has given, the testimonies of the Lord. It's about affections. Therefore, I love thy commandments above gold. Yea, above fine gold. Psalm 119, 127. It's kind of about affections again. Psalm 119, 162. I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil or that has found a great treasure. I rejoice at thy word. We're talking about our affections. There's something happening with this person that's expressing these things. The the person that's examining and understanding God's word. There's something happening within their emotions. There's something happening at the center of their being. And it started by a recognition of value. Did you notice that several of them said this? As much as all riches. Okay, something of value. Uh, something that's for an, a heritage or an inheritance. Something of value. I love thy commandments above gold. Something of value. Same thing, above, above fine gold. I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. That finds something that's a value, a, a valued treasure. And so there's something that happens in the emotions and at the center of a person who is studying God's word, and it's happening because of, it seems, there's a recognition of value. And so the affections are engaged because there's an affection given to that to the pursuit of that thing that is of value. This is always the way it is. We pursue things of value. If you just think for me, with me for a moment, about all the things that we do. We do things because they are of some value. We get up in the morning 
and we eat breakfast or we get ready for whatever we have during our day and we, we assume that that thing that we're doing is a value for something else that happens later in the day. We eat the breakfast so we'll have the strength to do whatever we're doing. We go to work or we go to school because we are, uh, we are committed to the idea that whatever this thing we're committing our time to is of value in some way. And somebody may say to you, well, I, I hate my job. It's, it's really of no value at all. I don't want it anymore. And then you say, well, how do you pay the rent? Never mind. You're right. I value it to some degree. Because you do. Even if you hate it, you don't like it, you don't want to do it, you don't care to do it, you don't think you should do it, you see it as a waste. It's not. You're pursuing it because it's of value. And especially if you pursue it out of your own affection for it, it's because you believe there's some value. But in the Word of God, the study and the understanding and the embrace of the Word of God, there's actually happiness that will be a result. Proverbs 3 tells us that this is the case. That's going to be our text tonight. Proverbs 3, it says this in verse 13. I'm going to use, by the way, just so you know before I read it, I'm going to use wisdom and the Word of God interchangeably, and I'll, I'll define that. I'll tell you why in a minute. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, and the gain thereof than fine gold. There we have it again. She is more precious than rubies, that is, she is wisdom, is more precious than rubies, and all the things thou canst desire, everything else that you may have an affection for, everything else that you're committed to because you think it is of value, all the things thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her, unto wisdom. Now, if you know anything about the word wisdom and about the concept in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, for that matter, for wisdom, you'll know that wisdom only comes from God. You may have some sort of worldly understanding of something, some experience that has contributed to your street wiseness, perhaps, that doesn't come from God. But when we're talking about wisdom here, we're talking about something that comes directly from God. And so that is dispensed for us, the Bible tells us over and over, in Scripture. And the only right that we will ever find in the world comes from him. The only truth the only soundness comes from him. Psalm 19 gives us this idea. I think I've read this before a few lessons ago. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true 
and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. We observe so much wrong in the world, don't we? It's like things that are wrong and things that are confused, things that are twisted, surround us. In fact, they often overtake us. What I mean by that is they overtake our emotions, our thinking, or our our attitudes, But that which comes directly from God, that which is God-breathed, in that we find righteousness, true rightness. That which is not polluted by anything. I'll tell you, that's really important. That which is not polluted by anything. Because so many of the things you find in the world, even the wisdom that I was talking about, that's kind of a, a worldly wisdom that people think about, whether it has any validity or not, it's still polluted by something, not God's wisdom, not something that comes direct from God. It's not polluted by anything. People who know Christ as Savior, this is not lost on us. This is not something that we, we misunderstand. We know the value of it. If we go back to Proverbs 3, which I told you is going to be our text, and we look a little closer, I think we can find help in understanding why this is the case. Why God's people, believers in Jesus, understand the value of God's word. Remember the first three verses we read in Proverbs 3, just to refresh our memory. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom. Wisdom comes direct from God. And the the man that getteth understanding, that obtains understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, and the gain thereof than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. The explanation seems to follow starting really in the next verse when we're talking about value. Because listen to what the next verse says. Length of days are in her right hand. And in her left hand, riches and honor. Now, if you were just to sort of think about that for just a split second, say, oh, what do you find in the Bible? Long life and riches. Hey, that's actually what it says. Long life and riches. We don't think of the Bible really in that way. But I'll tell you this. Wisdom offers the keys to long life. Did you know that? You know, um, for years I've thought about something. The promise that God makes to those who obey their parents about long life. You ever thought about that? God says, you obey your parents, you'll have long life. Now, I think there's really two 
two things there that we're dealing with. There's some real practical things, and there's some just spiritual things that, that God has determined in eternity past about how long we're going to live. But I'll tell you the practical things. I remember when I was a teenager and I, I learned to drive and I would go places and my mom would say, don't get in the car with all of your friends and you'll be talking and you'll be doing things and you'll be playing music and you'll be, and you'll go too fast. What I want you to do is I want you to drive this place on your own. My dad would say, yeah, I don't want the guys in there distracting you and you're having fun and go too fast. You know, I had some friends who didn't take that advice and they got in accidents, number of them. And I thought, you know, to listen to your parents on just something like that can prolong your life. Do you understand what I'm telling you? Parents tell you things for a reason. Hey, don't go there. Hey, don't get involved with this. Hey, don't, don't get involved with those people. Don't get involved with this behavior. That's long life. Wisdom has the keys to long life. The key to eternal life and to life on earth. Certainly we know eternal life. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we know that for sure, but life on this earth too. But also riches and honor are the blessing that come by wisdom. And whether they are riches that you can get a hold of and that are something that you can exchange as legal tender or whether they are just simply the riches of things more eternal, things like peace and a clear conscience and um, things of that nature, they really can't be compared to any kind of riches and honor that you would obtain another way outside of God's wisdom. There's nothing else that can provide what wisdom can provide. I can tell you this. I don't know how many people you know that are wealthy people. But it's, I know a few um, that I used to work with in, in Alaska. And I'm talking about very wealthy people. Um, and I found something out about the people as I spoke with them and as I um, spent time with them. I found that they have that they have rules that they live by and they have principles that they live by and they have uh, things that they are committed to. And you, what you'll notice, whether they're believers in Christ or whether they're not believers in Christ, they are, they are reflecting something that God has already explained in his word whether it's the discipline that they have in their investing in things in this world or whether it's not. They have taken uh, some, some wisdom, whether they have understood that it came from God or not, they have taken that wisdom. I can tell you that certainly there's, 
so many examples of Old Testament men who are the greatest of their generation and the, the, uh, the most wealthy of their day who lived by wisdom. And it was by that wisdom that they obtained these things. Job is one I think of immediately. Um, he was the richest man of his era. And it said that he eschewed evil and he went after that which is good. And length of days are in thy right hand and in thy left hand riches and honor. Are you starting to understand why your affections may be turned to the word of God? Just in that verse, what the reasons behind that would be? What, what value we see in it? Verse 17 of Proverbs 3. There's more. Her ways, wisdom's ways, are the ways of pleasantness. And all her paths are peace. You know, men search for pleasantness in the world. And I can tell you they search high and low and rarely find it sometimes. What we're talking about there is beauty and delightfulness. People search the world and they find something other than beauty. They find a mess and that's there's, there is wisdom in that too, because the world is a mess. This says that in the ways of wisdom, there's beauty and there's delightfulness. These things come from God. And as his people walk in his ways, they find them. Peace is also the desire of man's heart, isn't it? But it's in such short supply. Think about these last two years of discussions that we've had about fear and about peace of mind. And you will note that peace is in short supply. But the paths that God's people are led upon are paths of peace. And they're led upon these paths of peace by his word. They experience, and that's what this word peace means, completeness, soundness, contentment. And the realization that these things, these things that are worth more than money, are found in his word, that realization changes a person, changes their desires. There's more about wisdom in the next verse, verse 18 of Proverbs 3. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her, and happy is every one that retaineth her. To lay hold upon wisdom is something that we need to understand. It's actually interesting because it doesn't really come across what this verse means about laying hold upon wisdom. It doesn't come across well in the English. It really means that wisdom 
is to prevail upon us. I find that interesting for lots of reasons. Meaning, wisdom is not something you just grab a hold of and hope to hang on to. It's that you take in the wisdom and it prevails upon you. She's a tree of life and them that lay hold upon her. To them that lay hold upon her. And happy is everyone that retaineth her. It's like a life-giving tree, this wisdom. One that really springs forth with abundance. That's what this is talking about, abundantness. And if we can grasp hold of wisdom, or better yet, it can grasp hold of us, and we can keep hold of it, or it can keep hold of us, then it will make us something that means exactly what you think it means, happy. We have some background on that. Verse 19 of Proverbs 3. There's something behind this. There's someone behind this. And that's why it's of such value. It says, The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth. By understanding hath he established the heavens. That which he communicates to us is that which he embodies. That which he communicates to us is that which he embodies. He founded the earth based on what he knows, based on wisdom, it says here. He established the heavens based on what he understands. His character and his knowledge and his understanding were engaged in all the great things that he has done in creation. And this creator of all is also the provider of wisdom. And when you look to what he has done, and when you look to who he is, and you realize that he offers all this that he knows and that he understands, I don't mean all of what he knows and understands. I just mean all of this stuff that he knows and understands, a big pile of it. When he offers that to us, how can that not change a man's affection for what he provides? Verse 20, by his knowledge, the depths are broken up. I'll explain that in a minute. And the clouds drop down the dew. The ERV actually does a good job explaining this. It says, with his knowledge, he made the oceans and the clouds that produce rain. The wonders of the earth were produced by his knowledge and his creativity. Again, we're following the words of the one who knows all this and can do all this. This is how his word should be treated. Verses 21 and 22 of Proverbs 3. You'll know that there's a lot of places in this, this 
section of Proverbs that uh, are a um, a father to son exhortation. And that's what it says next. My son, let not them, that is these words of wisdom, depart from thine eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So shall they be life unto thy soul and grace to thy neck. So how should his words be treated? Well, don't ever let these words of wisdom out of your sight. That's essentially what it's saying. Don't let these words of wisdom out of your sight. You see, if you're ever to give bad counsel to somebody because wisdom has not got a hold of you on that day, it's going to, probably going to be because you let wisdom out of your sight. I'm convinced that that's what can happen. Such is the value of the words and the thoughts of our God that they shouldn't be let out of our sight. This is why it's so important, and there's so many passages about keeping his words. It's usually what it, the way it indicates it, or keep them in your heart, or keep his judgments and his statutes. There'll be life to us. It's interesting to just think about this. That following what he says and believing what he's told us can be our life. This is what parents do. They want to take everything that they know and they understand and they have been able to grasp over the course of time and over the experience that they've been given. And they want to pass it all along to their children. Um, and what you want to say is, believing these things that, that God has told me has constituted my life. But it's so hard to do that. You just have to live every day to try to help them to understand that this has been your life. I just think about uh, if we could communicate. Sometimes I think about the decisions that Deborah and I made before they're born and the commitments that we make before the children are born. And you, you want to say, I want you to know that we based everything on some decision that we made because God said something in his word. I mean, what God had said, and we came to understand, we have based our life upon it. It has been our life. And nothing that we are now, or nothing that we have now, could be here and could be possible without basing everything on that which God said. Those words of wisdom shall be life unto your soul. And in earlier passages, it said they shall be your life. And there'll be grace to thy neck. They will adorn us with grace in a way nothing else can. But there's, there's also something else. Because these things we're talking about have 
are a little bit um, hard to grab onto in some ways. But there's some, what I'm going to call usefulness that is recognizable throughout life that comes from God's word. Some usefulness. Because sometimes we just need something that we can grab onto. This is what the next two verses say. Then shalt thou walk in thy way safely, and thy foot shall not stumble. When thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lie down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. Now, I don't know if I can grab a hold of peace. I don't know if I can grasp what that means or or this abundant life that this was talking about. I, I can only explain it to you. If you haven't experienced some of these things for yourself, then you may not quite understand. But I can, I can tell you, you can grab onto safety and walking without stumbling and lying down at night and despite all the things that are in the world and in life, you not being afraid, you can get a hold of that. And sleeping sweetly. Embracing that which God says can bring actual safety. Folks who live in wisdom actually live a safer life. I could give you lots of thoughts about that, but I won't. It can keep us from stumbling through life. And in the night watches we talked about last week, wisdom can keep us from being afraid. His words can keep us from being afraid. And we can lie on our beds and we can Sleep sweetly, knowing him based on what he's told us about himself. These verses are revealing to us insights that for the believer should have a dramatic influence. Our appetite for his word should be growing based on just that which we have read tonight. For where else can we go for the things mentioned here? That's the question I would ask you. Where can you go for long life? To a doctor? Or to the author of life? Where can you go for long life? Where can you go for wealth and honor? I mean, wealth that doesn't pass away. And honor that comes from someone other than some authority set up here on earth. Where can you go for pleasantness and peace? Where can you go for that? How about happiness and abundant life? 
These are just things we've talked about, we've mentioned just in this reading. Or access to knowledge that's founded the earth and the heavens. Where can you go for that kind of knowledge? Nowhere else. Where can you go for, for personal safety? OSHA or DPHSS or... You have to go to the wisdom that God has given. Peace in the night. True rest. Among other things, of course, because there's a lot more we didn't talk about. We could go on just in this passage. I wanted to. I didn't think I'd have time. But suffice it to say, if a believer in Christ lacks the hope in these things, we can do only one thing. I mean, if you don't have, if you, if you can't see your way to hoping in having long life and honor and pleasantness and peace and happiness and abundant life and access to knowledge, personal safety and peace in the night and true rest, there is only one place you can look, and that's to his word. And so if your appetite for these things is minimal, I'd invite you to consume more of what's in his word. Believe it. Obey it. Place it ever before your eyes. It's easy to say, well, I'll just read some of it. But you're going to have to do more than that. You're going to have to believe it and obey it and keep believing it and keep obeying it. And just because you got some wisdom today and you think you remember it doesn't mean you'll have it tomorrow when there's a demand for it. If we can come to grips with just this list of wonderful things that it provides, then we're going to begin to be able to say, as the scripture has said in so many places, that it's more precious than silver or gold or of any other thing we can think of that constitutes something of value on this earth. We can rejoice in it. It can be our heritage, our inheritance. We'll love it. It will have value to us above worldly things. We'll hold it closely. And it will hold us closely. No matter what's happening in life or what anybody else is saying. Sometimes we come up against that. The word of God is saying one thing, but so many others are saying something else. Hey, your appetites can be changed. I just don't, you know, it's boring. You know, have you ever got to the Leviticus, I mean, Deuteronomy? Ah, just don't have an appetite. Don't stop. It's not how you get an appetite. 
Go back to it. Maybe you need to learn something about Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Don't come to me. I don't know if I know all the, all the stuff I need to know about those. But maybe you need to learn something more about that, more than what I know. It's only by consuming the wisdom that God intends for you to consume in this book that you're going to develop the appetites that God wants you to develop. I just want to read one more passage of Scripture tonight, and we'll be, we'll be done. I'm a little over time already. Ephesians 4, verses 21 to 24. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him, I mean, given his wisdom, as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning, concerning the former conversation of the old man, your old lifestyle, and what you used to believe and to know, which is corrupt according to the deceitful us. That's what we find in the world and in our flesh and in the desires of the flesh. We find those things, those deceitful lusts. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that ye put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now, the passage goes on, but I want to just stop. Truth is in Jesus. And he told us himself, we've read it several times, numerous times in this study. He told us that truth is in his word. Because that's, his word is what testifies of him. And therefore, transformation the kind he requires is found in it. And we can be new people. And we can live, as it says here, in righteousness and in true holiness. And I can tell you, when you're living in righteousness and true holiness, your appetite will be for his word. Study and affections tonight. Can study change what I want? I think we've answered that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time together. We pray that you'd change our appetites. Sometimes we really need them changed. It seems you only change them through your word. And we ask that you would help us to just commit to go back to it. Put it ever before our eyes whether it's in the reading of it or in the rehearsing of it in our minds. Help us to be an aid to one another, to come alongside one another, to be a help, to be that one that uh, is gripped by wisdom at the time that someone else asked us to help and give them and provide them with some wisdom. Help us to be gripped by wisdom at that time best way we can do that is just go back to your word. We pray that you'd help us do that. Give us reminders that we should do that. And then um, as we approach our week, we don't know what it'll hold. But as we approach it, I pray that you'd give us sleep without fear 
sleep that is sweet, trusting in your wisdom. Jesus' name, amen.